Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Hello again, Broncos country, and thank you for joining us for our next episode of the Orange Weekly Podcast. Thank you all so much for all the support and feedback that you guys have been giving us. We really appreciate it, and we're super excited to be bringing you the best pregame podcast of your Denver games on the internet. If you guys haven't heard us before, here at Orange Weekly, we are all about football and football only. We do not discuss politics. We're just football fans. So you'll never hear us telling you about what referee voted for what president in 1976. Only this week's matchup. Inside the minds of the players and coaches and an in-depth look into what you should be expecting this coming week. This week, your Denver Broncos are back in mile high to take on the divisional rival and our biggest rival, the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders are 2-1, losing last week, and both teams are now chasing Kansas City Chiefs for the first in the AFC West, making this game that much more important as if it wasn't already a stressful game. Before we get on with the show, I do want to throw out another shout-out for Denver Broncos UK. These guys are awesome. They had me on their podcast this week, and they are great guys, keeping Bronco Country international. So please make sure you go check them out on Twitter and on SoundCloud. All right, Broncos country, let's do this. It's Raiders week, and no better way to bring it in than the Mad Fanatic. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week. We have a lot to talk about this week. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. This has definitely been a, a roller coaster ride of a season. How do you think the season's going so far? I think it's really entertaining, to be honest. Like these games in week three were just remarkable. You know, just watching the the Rams versus the Niners, two teams that I thought were going to be pretty bad this year. Like they put up a really explosive, dynamic game. The Falcons are three and zero. Shout out to the Dirty Birds. We're doing great so far. <laughs> And, of course, like everybody knows on our show here, the Broncos lost to the Bills. Who would have thought that one? It was right. pretty... Uh, but that's okay. You know what? I think a lot of teams are starting to um, find their groove a little bit. I think a lot of the strengths are coming out for teams, and I think a lot of weaknesses are starting to be exposed, too. So, usually what we expect to see in the uh, beginning, but oh, it's exciting. I wanted to mention something, too, before we get into our preview of the game this week against Oakland, is that, you know, it's nice to lose early, and and it's hard to say that as a fan. It's really hard to say it's nice to lose early, but there's not as much pressure on the team to stay undefeated, go out and play to the top ability. Now we know what some of our weaknesses are, and as a coach, we can start taking those and trying to fix them at the core before we get ahead of ourselves and get a big head thinking that we're unstoppable. Now we know we are stoppable, so how do we keep teams from taking advantage of that? So there's always a little bit of silver lining in taking a loss. Obviously it sucks, and as a fan we never want to take a loss, but I'd rather do it against the Bills, who are not a divisional opponent, than against, for say, the Raiders. So that's always something to look forward to. Oh, you got you got to learn how to lose in this league. Absolutely. All right, so let's go right into it. Let's talk about last week's game in our first segment called I Told You So. I Told You So. 
Matt, you get to go first as always. What did you tell us? Well, I think my told show this week is definitely that Tyrod Taylor can be a very dynamic quarterback. You know, I mentioned that he's somebody that uh, you really have to spy and contain in order to limit what he can do. That touchdown he threw to Charles Clay where... They came up in the red zone. They were in a spread formation, and he dropped back to pass. The first option was there, and he started rolling out. Clay just sort of snuck in behind to keep to leave into the end zone, and Tyrod just you know put his foot down and threw it to him, and it was a touchdown. I mean, it, that, those are the sort of plays that he can really uh, create. And uh, yeah, my I told you so is that he's a dynamic quarterback that can uh, make things happen if you're not careful. Right. And if he, if anything, he definitely made a statement to the league saying, hey, I went up against one of the best defenses in the league and I can still hold my own and score. You know, they went yeah. up against Carolina and only put up nine points, but he came into us with a much better game plan. So yeah. that's always good for him. But all right. Yeah. So my I told you so this week, I don't have a lot to brag about. And the thing I do have to brag about, I'm not happy that I can brag about it, is that for two weeks in a row now calling the defense and how we went about game planning for Tyrod Taylor and the Buffalo Bills. We started off in that soft zone look and trying to send a couple blitzers here and there. And that they started picking that apart and they started finding our holes in our zone defense. So once we went into halftime, though, we completely changed it up and went to a man and they just they controlled the ball a lot better than we did. And that's really what it came down to. But my I told you so is definitely that our defense started in the zone, went to the man at halftime and Unfortunately, it didn't work out for the best. However, uh, that's definitely what needed to happen. Who would have guessed? All right, Matt, name something that you did not see coming in that game against the Bills. Well, I mean, pretty obvious here, but I did not see coming is the Bills winning by 10 points. I did not expect that in the least bit. Um, like I said at the uh, the end of our show last week, I expected the Bills to lose to the Broncos. And how they came out, they played incredibly well, very disciplined. Sean McDermott's defense is showing to be a very promising unit, especially in that red zone. And uh, now, you know, they, they've gone three weeks with shutting down teams in the red zone. You know, it, it's fun to watch. I think Buffalo's got a lot of things to hope for now that, uh, you know, after they lost to some key players in the offseason. So yeah, that's who would have thought for me is the Bills actually winning against the Broncos. Right. So the big thing I didn't see coming was the offensive productivity of the Bills under Rick Dennison. You know, we've had him for as a coach and he was our offensive coordinator for a while and it was very slow, very steady, didn't take a lot of shots downfield, controlled the ball and they did that against us. They did a really good job against us. So I definitely did not see not only that, but their red zone percentages they definitely got in the end zone a lot more than i thought of my my prediction was that they weren't even going to get any touchdowns and obviously they did so i definitely did not see that coming yeah i think it uh, speaks volumes about tyrod and and lashawn mccoy and the way this this team is a lot more dynamic than what dennison had when he was with the broncos for sure i mean he's got a different quarterback so he can use a lot more plays than he previously could before you know so much more athletic quarterback for sure oh yeah oh yeah all right, no more talking about that game. I'm done. Let's let's wipe that. It's one over. Off. Next week. Next let's, week. <laughs> let's let's move on. So now this week we have the Raiders. Obviously, uh, Bronco fans and the Raider fans are never friends, especially on game day. So we're going to get into the Oakland game, and our first segment is going to be, as always, talking about the coaches in brain games. All right, Matt, who do we got? We know that Jack Del Rio used to be the defensive coordinator for the Broncos. 
and he went over to Oakland after the Super Bowl 48 season. What more do you got on him for us? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, that's pretty much the biggest news, I'd say, coming out of uh, the head coaching situation. Jack Del Rio is a coach with a lot of experience. He's got a lot of success as well. He was a head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars for a number of years when they had uh, you know, a stronger team. The, the past you know five, six years, they've been struggling, but when he was there, they were still very competitive. And, you know, all that experience really translate well with a, a city like Oakland and a team like the Raiders. Like you mentioned, those fans are hardcore. They love good football. They love disciplined football. And they, they never really were able to get that with their previous head coaches. And now Jack Del Rio comes in and he's he's just, he's a, he's a people person, first of all. He's always smiling on the sideline. He's got a great system and he's put together a really good team. So his leadership ability is remarkable. Um, last year, I think the Raiders finished 13-3. and They were a great fourth quarter team. They never quit. You know, unfortunately, they lost Derek Carr, I think, the last game of the season. But if Carr was healthy throughout the playoffs, I think he would have, you know, probably pushed for a Super Bowl berth. So he's put together a, a really good team. He's defensive-minded as well, which is something that I find to be a lot more of a um, success factors with a lot of teams. Most teams with that have really good success throughout the years have a defensive-minded coach. So I think Jack Del Rio is the right person for this team and it's been showing, you know, it's been really paying dividends since he came in. And, you know, his experience with the Broncos too is probably something that really saved his reputation and aided him in getting this new uh, head coaching job with the rival team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the last time we played the Raiders in Jack Del Rio is the last game of the season last year. And yeah, they didn't have Derek Carr, so that was kind of an interesting an interesting point. So moving on from that, let's talk about, obviously Jack Del Rio is a defensive-minded coach. Let's talk about the Raiders' defensive coordinator, Ken Norton. Yeah, Ken Norton Jr., actually, I'm sure... Uh... Ken Norton Sr. is a pretty pretty proud old man because Ken Norton, he's, he was coaching with the Seahawks. He was their linebacker coach. I think he had a year as their DC as well. And he's a phenomenal coach. Like, like I said, with the Seahawks, he built such a strong unit there. Those linebackers were always flying around the field. He had Bobby Wagner to coach and, you know, really, uh, really good players there. And his style is, is a little bit more catered towards the players he has on the team. A lot of coaches will come into a team and try to make the players fit their scheme and then go after, like, Wade Phillips is a guy like that he coaches a 34 defense and that's what he does and he's got a really good system wherever he goes that's the system you run but Ken Norton coming in with the Raiders he has a lot of good athletes on defense so he's playing a hybrid defense they're primarily based in a 43 but you know if you watch the Redskins game they came out with a 34 look often they came out with a 42 look often and they you know they a 32 and just different like looks and just utilizing their players talents you know he's lucky enough to have a guy like Khalil Mack who can play outside linebacker and defensive end depending on the scheme you play, right? So that's sort of a, uh, you know, it's, it's a golden ticket for a coach to have a guy like that. Two years ago, I believe, Khalil Mack was named first team All-Pro at both positions, which is, I think, the first player to ever do that. So he's uh, he's a heck of an athlete to coach. And Just an all-around all athlete on both yeah. sides of the ball. Oh, yeah. No and you watch you him, him. Yeah, you watch him play. And this guy's, you know, you have to game plan against him, which makes, you know, Ken Norton's job pretty easy. It's also his third year with the Raiders, which shows that there's a nice continuity into this Raiders defense because, you know, that's that's another key, uh, key part of success. And so, you know, what we expect to see from him against the Broncos is, you know, although they had a, a pretty bad game against the Redskins, you know, I, I don't think it's any indicator of how this Raiders team is going to do this year. Everybody has a bad game. Everybody's going to be, right. you know, exposed some way. And like you said a few minutes ago, 
the, these losses are just ways for you to identify your weaknesses, especially early on in the season. And it was against a cross-conference team, you know what I mean? So it's, exactly. it's one of those games you can afford to lose in a sense. Can't really afford to lose any games, but... You know, when you can, you can. So, you know, I think Ken Norton's really just going to rebuild this defense and, and game plan really well against the Broncos since he is familiar with this team after, you know, coaching against them probably around six, seven times over the three years. The other thing I want to mention about Ken Norton, too, and something that I saw that they did against Washington when you watch that Washington game is they throw a lot of random blitz packages in there as well. So mm-hmm. they'll run that 3-4, but they'll still send five guys. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like I mentioned, they got some good players like uh, Bruce Irving. He's first-round pick from the Seahawks, and now he's with the Raiders. I mean, Norton's been coaching him for a number of years, even before the Raiders. And he can go and cover. He can blitz. Uh, they got a rookie middle linebacker, too. They got a lot of dynamic players, so he can afford to play that hybrid defense and throw exotic blitzes and stuff. He's uh, he's pretty lucky coach to have what he has. Yeah. So we talked about Ken Norton and what they're going to do against the Broncos and, and how they usually run their defense. So Mike McCoy's got a lot on his hands, especially with these athletes that you mentioned, you know, Khalil Mack and those other middle linebackers being able to play from the end or the linebacker position. So we're going to have to get a little bit creative and a lot less predictable than we did last week. We're going to need to go back to the 50-50. He's going to have to go back to the 50% run, 50% pass game. Have the run set up the pass, and that's what the Washington did against them last week. Going to have to get the tight ends involved and get the running backs in the passing game. When they do send those blitz packages, we need to get those running backs out. And I think that's what Mike McCoy is really going to focus on. And the last thing I'm going to mention is that the one thing that the Redskins did really well against that Ken Norton defense was that they picked up the blitz really well. So they'd be in a 3-4, send five, six guys from a linebacker position, and the the line did a really good job of being able to recognize it and picking it up. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a whole day of practice this week where Mike McCoy sat down with his offensive line and his offensive line coach and said, okay, we're doing blitz packages. We're doing blitz pickup all, all day. This is what yeah. we need to get. We need to make sure that we stop this blitz and make sure that we don't get as much pressure on Simeon as we did last week. And if we could if we could pick up the blitz and we could recognize the blitz, if Simeon can recognize the blitz early, then we have a, a much better chance of winning this game. So I think that's going to be our biggest, Mike McCoy's biggest focus this week. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And you know, on the flip side too, I could see Ken Norton spending a whole day this week on changing up his bliss packages. You know, saying, okay, yeah. Bronco's going to key on this. We're going to change our cues. We're going to change which guys we go. We're going to change the, the words we use on the field to initiate the blitz or to call back a blitz or to fake a blitz. You know, I think... Again, like this brain game is a very appropriate name here because these coaches are going to really try to one-up each other. The one risk, though, is you don't want to out-coach yourself, which is something that a lot of people have struggled with, especially in, in these high competitive games. They just think they're not doing enough, and they end up doing way too much. For, for all those watchers out there, let's, let's watch the Blitzes this week. I think it would be a very interesting matchup on that front line. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they start sending in some of the DB blitzes too, just to mm. kind of throw some things off, try to get far on the outside so that we can't pick yeah. it up. But oh yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. So moving on to the other side of the ball, the Raiders' offensive coordinator is Todd Downing. Correct. But I do want to mention real quick before we talk about Todd is that Bill Musgraves is our quarterback coach this year, and he's the former Raiders' offensive coordinator. And now Todd Downing was the quarterback coach under Musgraves. So what can you tell me about him? Todd Downing's been the, yeah, like you said, the QB coach for Carr for three years. So again, it's just about that continuity that the Raiders have. Probably better friends with Carr than he is a coach. So that means that they're really able to feed off each other. They're on the same page in terms of the playbook. I don't see Downing really changing uh, Musgrave's playbook and strategy. Um, so that can be a, an advantage for Carr in this offense because they know what they're doing. But at the same time, it could be a disadvantage knowing that they're going to be going up against 
you know, their former OC on the Broncos. But nevertheless, he knows the system. They've got a really good offense with a lot of weapons. So there's a lot that they can do with the Raiders. And it's it's going to be interesting to see what he does. He's, again, he's had a, uh, not, I, I say he, um, I'm more referring to Derek Carr here, but even uh, Todd Downing last week's game against the Redskins was pretty sad to see this offense. They couldn't get the running game going. They couldn't block against the Blitz. They couldn't really pass. You know, Derek Carr just looked skittish. They just didn't seem to know what plays to call, right? So it's maybe an indicator of a new offensive coordinator. Maybe it's earning your stripes in a sense here, but at the same time, they're experienced and, and resilient. I could see Todd Downing really coming out on fire against the Broncos here, just based on how long he's been with the Raiders. Yeah, and I think he's going to try to take a lot of shots early to try to go mm-hmm. up early, knowing that he has Musgraves on the other side, who you know that he sat down with Joe Woods and was like, this is the this is the game plan. This is what we're looking at. This is his concept. And the other thing, having Musgraves on our team, is that you know he's worked with these guys for a couple of years now, and he knows all of these athletes. I mean, these guys have been around. He's the one that was there when Amari Cooper came on board. He was there with Derek Carr. He was there with when they first picked up Crabtree. So he knows how this offense works and their their weaknesses. So I, I guarantee you Musgrave sat down with Joe Woods and, and pointed out every weakness that he possibly could for Derek Carr, especially because, you know, he's the guy that they win and lose. We saw that last year. He went out with injury and they win and lose by Derek Carr. So if we can frustrate Derek Carr, which, and, and again, they did last week. Washington frustrated him early. They, he threw an interception real early in the game, and he just didn't look the same. He, he couldn't step up into his throws. He was just really skittish. You know, once the pocket started collapsing, he kind of just went down or tried to, to fluster out, which isn't normal for Derek Carr. So expect Joe Woods to know that, start to pressure Derek Carr early, try to find his weakness early. And then we're just going to go back to, I think, the man press on early downs, force third and longs, and just go back to our basic defense. You know, the thing that won us the Super Bowl 50, we just need to go back to our man press coverage, force our third and longs. Once we get into third and longs, we could back off a little bit, keep the ball in front of us. And then that I think that's just going to be the easy, the easiest route to this Raiders team. And I think when we're talking about who wins in the brain games for this one, for the Broncos offense and Raiders defense, I think it's a toss-up. But I think for this one, it's definitely... The Broncos defense has that one up because of Musgraves and because of what happened last week to the Raiders against Washington. So I think that the Broncos have a little bit of an advantage on on this side of the ball. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I would like to talk about, though, for one big advantage that Todd Downing does have is offensive line coach Mike Tice. This guy's been coaching for decades he coached back with the vikings when they had matt burke as their center which was a long time ago and you know he coached some pro bowl players there he was an offensive lineman for a number of years as well and now he's coaching you know probably one of the best units in the league in terms of offensive line granted the game against the redskins they looked kind of like the giants offensive line but uh (laughs) yeah exactly we're like washing machines just keep spinning around um (laughs) but you know i think that mike tice with his experience, with his knowledge, he's going to really bring this unit back into shape. These players aren't scrubs. I think they're the biggest offensive line in the league, just play based on player height and weight. And they're very athletic, relentless. They're aggressive. And, you know, for, for Todd Downing, a young OC, to have a guy like Mike Tice in the building who can really take care of the blocking schemes and, and really take responsibility for that side of the offense, I think it's big help. So now that Todd Downing can focus with Derek Carr and the receivers and, and the running game to create a game plan that, like you said, 
said is, is not going to fall under the Bill Musgrave's knowledge and is going to be something that the Broncos really have to to work for in order to, to beat. And we don't often talk about the offensive line coaches, but I really wanted to bring this, this guy up because he's, he's so experienced and he's so well-known across the NFL. So for you listeners that have been listening to us for the past few episodes, we're combining our player segment, which we originally had key players in one-on-ones, and we're going to call it Survival of the Fittest. Survival of the Fittest. In Survival of the Fittest, Matt and myself will talk about what players are going to be the key players to look out for in this game. This is going to be interesting because I think that there's a lot of players out here on this on this field specifically with the Raiders and Broncos that you're going to see in the playoffs in the future. And, and I think this is going to be an early playoff game for both teams. So what players do you think are really going to make a difference? Let's start with the Raiders defense. Who do you think is going to be the biggest difference on the Raiders defense? Yeah, the Raiders, well, I mean, like you said, compared to last week, I'm, uh, I'm pretty blessed. I have so many people to talk about right now, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, but on the Raiders defense, I mentioned before when we talked about Ken Norn, but Khalil Mack is a absolute beast. Like this guy can play football like nobody else. Comes out of University of Buffalo, and believe it or not, when I was watching the Redskins game, they're talking about this guy. He he received no Division One offers down in Florida, where he's from. The only one he received was was from the University of Buffalo, and he finished to be a, like what a top fifteen pick in the draft for the Raiders. Yeah. And now he's constant Pro Bowler. He was first team All Pro at two different positions. This guy, you know, if he keeps up this trend, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's somebody who's so fun to watch. And in terms of playing against him, he's an absolute nightmare if you don't know what you're doing. He's going to play off the edge. I can. He played against Morgan Moses against the Redskins. He's the right tackle for the Redskins, so I could see him line up right up against Menelik Watson during the most of his game and have a field day with him. Force the Broncos to take a, a tight end and help block or a running back help block because he's, he's that kind of player. The other guy I want to talk about too, not to you know bore everybody with Khalil Mack and my love for this man, but is <laughs> Carl Joseph. Carl Joseph is the strong safety slash free safety slash just across the field athlete for the for the Raiders. He's a great safety, very dynamic. He hits really hard too, and he's somebody that you have to key in on. Uh, you know, on the field, like Trevor Simeon's going to have to line up, know exactly where Carl Joseph is, know exactly where Khalil Mack is, and then from there decide if he's audibling, if he's going to run the play, flip it around, whatever it is. So it's going to be difficult for him. Uh, you know, this defense does have those, those strong players. The one thing too I'd like to mention about the the Raiders' defense is although they have those strong players, and they also have guys like Bruce Irvin and, and Sean Smith who are uh, you know really strong athletes too uh, you know top guys of their position but there's a lot of young players on this defense Markel Lee the inside linebacker he's a rookie Andy Vanderdoes Vanderdoes however you pronounce his name I'm sorry Eddie if you're listening don't take it personally um, <laughs> but he's he's also a rookie right in the middle so there's there's some youth on this defense and there's a good mix between the youth and the veterans they still have Reggie Nelson playing I believe free safety next to Carl Joseph and this guy he's been playing for all you know almost a decade and a half like 12 13 years at this point and so it's it's an interesting mix we've seen the raiders be able to shut down teams and we've also seen them really fold on teams too i feel like they're a defense that if you start to figure out their trends you're you're able to really uh, execute against them but at the same time they have such dynamic athletes that if if you're not keying in on them you don't know where they are 
then they're, they're going to give you big headaches. I could see Khalil Mack coming in into this game against the Broncos and getting a couple sacks early just based on who he's playing against. Uh, men like Watson used to play for the Raiders, so these guys practice against each other week after week. So it could be uh, old buddies playing against each other or it could, it could be a field day for Mack because he knows exactly what kind of player this is. Yeah, and I, that's definitely something important to bring up is that Manly Watson has already been kind of, if we were to pick out a, a weaker side of our entire team, it'd probably be that that right tackle position. And coming out of Oakland, you know, he practiced up against him, so maybe he knows some of his moves. However, I know last year, the first time we played Oakland, I'm pretty sure Khalil Mack had like five or six sacks on. Like, it was unreal. He, he just yeah. went off. Uh, against us and obviously that was a completely different offensive line at the time so that's the definitely the big part that we're gonna have to watch and each week I know we talk about this our our offensive line we live and die by the offensive line and I don't think that's just us as a Broncos I think that's just football teams in general live and die by the offensive line look at uh, New York Giants they have a great quarterback who won a Super Bowl two uh, outstanding receivers but they can't do anything because their offensive line can't hold up so on the Broncos offensive side you know we talk about the Broncos all time so I don't have to repeat a lot but you know, C.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles. So Jamal Charles actually had a really good game last week. It didn't seem like it because we kind of abandoned the run pretty early just because we were down. It was kind of a tough time. But Jamal Charles did have, he had nine carries for 56 yards, but that was an average of 6.2 yards per carry, which Jamal Charles is known for. His average per carry is always above five. And anytime you can get above really four yards per carry as a running back, you're doing your job. If you can get four yards per carry on every down, you don't need to pass. That's a first down every drive. So that's definitely good to see him getting his first touchdown. Definitely kind of got a little bit of the cobwebs out and he was explosive through the line. So I'm definitely excited to see Jamal Charles and I wouldn't be surprised to see Jamal Charles and CJ Anderson split carries this week as opposed to usually CJ Anderson has most of the carries. I definitely can see him splitting carries pretty evenly and Trevor Simeon. So we talked about live and die by the offensive line. You kind of have to live and die by your quarterback play too. But having Trevor Simeon playing on his top game is definitely going to be the big difference between the Broncos winning and the Broncos losing. As you can see, he threw two interceptions against Buffalo and they were at the wrong times and the wrong end of the field. And the second one, as much of it is obviously his fault for throwing the interception, the biggest mistake was him rolling out of the pocket and drifting way too far away from the line of scrimmage, trying to throw the ball out of bounds, getting back to the line of scrimmage, and it just didn't happen, didn't get there. So if he can play at his best like he did against the Cowboys before his interception against the Cowboys, if we can put all that together with the run game, it really gives us the best chance to win this game. Absolutely. I think, you know, from what I've seen, I watched most of the Redskins game and what I saw the, the biggest success factor for the Redskins is that Kirk Cousins, first of all, he's he's a heck of a quarterback. He's really fun to watch. I wish this guy would get his long-term contract he deserves. Hopefully with a really good organization, maybe not just the Redskins, but what he does, like you mentioned, he doesn't drift out of the pocket. He stands in there tough and he just makes decisive throws. And I think with this yeah. defense of the Raiders, like they're very explosive athletes, very dynamic. But at the same time, they've got a lot of weaknesses. They're not necessarily the, they don't have the best DB core in the league. They've got Emerson right now and TJ Carey. They've got the rookie Connolly, who hasn't really played much. He's been hurt. Sean Smith has been hurt as well. So 
you know, it, it, it'll be a, a good day for Demers Thomas and Sanders on the other side there in terms of, you know, matchups. But Simeon's got to stay strong in the pocket and he's got to stay disciplined because that's what's going to help these Raiders kind of fall apart. If, if he starts drifting, Khalil Mack starts getting in, in his head, that's when the Raiders can really start exposing the offense and, and winning matchups. Yeah. And one thing I want to mention too, back to Jamal Charles, you're absolutely right. This guy is, as a number one running back, he was unbelievable to watch. But as a number two, a change of pace guy, he might be even better because he's just so dynamic it'll be really yeah. interesting to see who the Raiders uh, use to cover him because uh, you know we, we can expect them to, to run some flats to run even some some awesome. hooks some some quick uh, quick corners and quick slants and all that so he'll be he'll be really available within the passing game so I'd be interesting to see are they gonna match up Corey James with him or are they gonna match up Carl Joseph drop him down into the box and and let maybe the nickelback go uh, go back and cover safety or just gonna play a cover one with with Carl's gonna match up right with Jamal Charles It'll be really interesting to watch how they make this happen because he's somebody who can, you know, really take over a game. And I think he's, uh, it's been a couple of years that he's been hurt and, and not really producing. He's due for a big game and if Raiders aren't careful. It might be it. So the last thing I want to mention about the Raiders defense uh, on this is that last week on Sunday night, they let up 472 yards of offense. So those are not good stats. Like you can't, you can't win games when you're letting up that many times. And they had 300 and 56 yards through the air and 116 yards on the ground, which if we can keep that up, if we can keep that same kind of momentum, you know, they only threw for, they threw 30 times and ran 34 times, which is going to be about what the Broncos are going to try to do. So if we have that same success, expect a very similar outcome. All right. So now on to the other side of the ball. Let's flip this. Let's talk a little bit about the Broncos defense and the Raiders offense. So what do you think the game plan for the Raiders offense after seeing how the Denver defense was, I'm not going to say we were picked apart, but Buffalo definitely found some holes that they could take advantage of. So what do you, what do you expect from some of these players this week? Yeah, you can't say that. You're right. You can't say that Buffalo picked them apart, but the holes they did find, I think it's it's right around the middle of the field where the inside linebackers like to hang out. Because you think about the offense for the Raiders right now, and immediately it's Derek Carr and Amari Cooper, and now that they got Marshawn Lynch, he's probably like my favorite running back. He's everybody's favorite running back. You just can't not, <laughs> you know, not love this guy. He's he's awesome. He still hasn't really taken off this year. I think age might be catching up with him, and the Broncos' run defense is so stout. It's very, very difficult to run against the Broncos. So what I think they're going to do is they're they're still going to test the run. They're going to try Marshawn Lynch right up the middle. The guy's got that awesome fighter attitude on the field and he loves put his shoulder down into people so if he can get going that's going to be really really good for the Raiders however what I think they're going to be doing is going to use their other two running backs Jalen Richard and his first name escapes me but Washington the other uh, the other running back what's interesting to note is that um, Marshawn Lynch he's you know a sort of a, a physically unique specimen but Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington that's it they're both shaped very similar they're both, both about five foot eight and they're they're smaller guys they're pass catching guys and they're very fast quick dynamic and what I think they're going to be doing is matching these two guys up with the middle linebackers of the Broncos and they're going to really try to create some sort of one-on-one matchups in the middle of the field and just sort of dink and dunk their way down the field I think that's what we're going to see from from the Raiders as opposed to the standard like oh Derek's going to throw it to Cooper and get some yards or Marshawn Lynch is going to just beast mode his way down the field no no I think it's going to be a lot of these backup running backs having a good day versus the uh, the Broncos. And on top of that, Jared Cook, their tight end, probably one of the fastest tight ends in the league, very dynamic, very uh 
quick twitch athlete and um, we could see him match up against a smaller cornerback in Roby we can see him match up against some slower middle linebackers even uh, a safety down the middle if the Broncos are going to go into a soft cover too you know watch uh, Jared Cook just take a really quick seam right up the field see if he can get something open you know, I think we're going to see a lot of plays from Cook and from the backup running backs versus seeing guys like Cooper and Crabtree. Even like Corderell Patterson might have one or two plays, but he's, I don't know how many chances this guy's going to get before we realize that he's, you know, he's just a returner. You know, so I think that's where it's going to go. I think this offensive line is, they're going to bounce back after that uh, embarrassing loss to the Redskins. They're pretty resilient. Donald Penn didn't play in the offseason. I think he's just kind of getting the rust off right now. Uh, the in- interior of the line is still very strong in awesome Millie Hudson and Jackson and um, their weakest point is probably the right tackle it seems to be a, a pretty big trend in this year in our podcast everybody doesn't seem to have a very <laughs> strong right tackle but um, Newhouse he's a guy who played for the Packers and he played for the Giants and he's played for somebody else and now he's with uh, the Raiders he's a bit of a, a journeyman he's a stop guy up type of guy so uh, you know watch yeah. the Broncos try to expose that but it's it's going to be an interesting matchup yeah yeah, what I want to see us do is is keep our safety, keep our free safety over the top the entire game. As yeah. soon as we try to pull that free safety into the box, they're going to take advantage of it with with Jared Cook, and I think that's, sure. that's something that they're definitely going to look at. And you know, Derek Carr, that's got to be one of his reads to, to option out of. He's got to have a check down to be able to see if there's no safety over the middle. Just send Cook on that seam, like you were talking about. Yeah, because one of two things is going to happen: either a linebacker is going to be on him and he could outrun him, or it's going to be a Bradley Roby and you could just beast up on him because yeah. you know he's a lot bigger of a guy. So Jared Cook's an interesting player because he's. He's kind of like, I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Gronk, but they, they line him up just like they do Gronk. They line him up in the in the slot. They keep him in the tight end, and they, they kind of throw him around wherever they was. And he was their lead receiver last week, too. Yeah, correct. He's an athletic tight end. He's not a blocking tight end, so he's going to go yeah. out. and he's, he's You know, you're going to find the matchup with him, and then you're going to pass to him. Last yeah. week, he had the uh, the Raiders' only touchdown, and it was really cool to watch. For those who didn't watch the game, I'll try to explain it the best I can, but he lined up uh, as a tight end, and he went up. In this vertical route, just started running up, and he found the middle linebacker, and he just put his shoulder right into his chest, and then using that sort of momentum, it, it wasn't a push off; it was perfectly legal. But he just did a quick corner route. He just cut right 45 degrees to the left, and that gave him a huge amount of separation from the middle linebacker. He caught the ball and he dove into the end zone. Unfortunately, they couldn't really get him going after that because nobody else is really going, but. He's a see somebody really, really watch out for because especially against the Broncos inside linebacker, we could watch him bully these guys around and just do that sort of thing. Give him a quick chip and then just go off for a route, which makes it very difficult for a linebacker to key in on and to really catch up, uh, you know, after a tight end like that. So I think he's going to be a very key component of this game, and then he's he might turn out to be one of the bigger stars on the Raiders over Marshawn Lynch and Crabtree and Cooper, like we're used to seeing. Yeah. So. Th- it's very important to mention too we're talking about our inside linebackers of Denver and I've always said that one of our weak points on our defense is our linebackers and coverage especially our inside linebackers and last week Todd Davis and Brandon Marshall both had 10 total tackles apiece and the the closest behind him was Darian Stewart so both of our inside linebackers got a lot of action last week and it's because like you said they kept trying to go at that inside linebacker position to try to take advantage of some sort of matchup but also because they they stay true to the inside and then they can spread the field as well. So there's two things. Like they have great run blocking playability, but 
they're really going to need to step up in that in the coverage, and I think that's really what it's going to come down to is that tight yeah. end position. Because I think you know, and again, I always on the high horse of Chris Harris Jr. and Akeem Tlaib, and yeah, Akeem Tlaib made a couple mistakes. Chris Harris made a couple mistakes last week, but I definitely see them doing the same thing that Washington and Norman did to the Oakland Raiders on Sunday night, where they just set, they shut down. Amari Cooper had one catch for six yards. Michael Crabtree had one catch for seven yards. So if you could t- shut down those guys and you can shut down the run game, it's really hard for them to get their offense going, which is really probably what you know we're going to see out of our defense. And like you said, that, that right tackle is an issue with a lot of teams. And unfortunately for a lot of teams, we have Von Miller. This goes back to what we've been talking about all the time. What are they going to do to stop Von Miller? So far, everybody's been kind of double teaming him. They've been trying to flush him out, and he's still getting a couple sacks. He's still getting pressure. So what is Oakland going to do to focus on Von Miller? And will that open up the left side in that aspect? Will that open up the left tackle for Shaq Barrett to come in and and get a couple big plays off? So that's going to be another side to watch. So I I think on both sides, it's going to be that exact same position, that right tackle versus Cleo Mack or that right tackle versus Von Miller. That's going to be the big position to watch for the entire game. Absolutely. It really is going to come down to how the Lions perform. If the Raiders' offensive line performs like they did against the Redskins and they just, you know, like behave like a bunch of washing machines spinning around, letting everything through, then, yeah, yeah everything I just talked about for the past, like, five minutes would be completely useless. I mean, <laughs> literally wasted my breath. It really comes down to the offensive line. But regardless, you know, back to this uh, Von Miller thing, you know, we're going to we're gonna see a lot of Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. Like, I just checked their stats. They're both 5'8", and they both weigh 200 five pounds that's not coincidental wow. you know what i mean like the raiders know how to use the two these two little scat backs that can go out they're they're short and stocky so they can take a hit they can give some blocks and hits and really and expect they can get low they can get very low which is very difficult to defend against and we could see quick things like uh, you know if von miller lines up as, as the left end going up against newhouse and he just comes in for a, a rush Derek Carr could just throw it right over his head to one of those quick ru- uh, running backs that are being trailed by an inside linebacker, and it gives that sort of big opening for them on that side of the field, you know. So yeah. expect to see a lot of those quick routes to these guys to, to soften up the defense and make them more disciplined, send less blitzes, and really make sure that they're they're keying in on these players. And then you got a bruiser in Marshawn Lynch, who I'm sure he can't wait to lay a, a chip block on Von Miller. That might slow him down <laughs> too, so... It'll be very interesting to watch. It's going to be a pretty cool matchup, I think, on both sides of the ball. I think this game is going to be uh, very exciting. Very, very exciting. Yeah, on both both the coaching mm-hmm. aspect and the player aspect, it's just going to be a, a very exciting game to watch on both sides. You're right. Yeah. And, you know, before we move on to our, our next segment here, there's there's one more guy that I really have to mention with the Raiders. His name is Marquette King. He's the punter for the Raiders, for those who don't know. But he's probably one of the most, like, vocal, one of the biggest personalities uh, coming out of punters in the NFL. You know, not only that, but the fact that this guy's averaging 53.3 yards a punt this year. That is unreal. It's such an advantage for the Raiders to have this because it gives them such a great field position weapon. You know what I mean? If they have a three and out and they're in their zone, you know, you barely have to sweat. Marquette King comes, boots at 53 yards, and it usually pushes a returner back, and it, it goes so high up that it takes time. You know, it's it's good for coverage, and it's good to really give uh, an advantage to their defense. Historically, he's at 46.9 yards average per punt, which actually finishes third overall in the history of punters. So this guy is slowly becoming a very remarkable player in the NFL. He probably is the last punter I'll talk about this year, the first and the last, until the Broncos play 
him again. But he's somebody to, to watch out for. You know, when the punt comes on, don't go take your bathroom break. Don't go get another beer. Just wait for that kick because it's pretty cool <laughs> to watch. So, yeah, that's something that I, I really like talking about is that field position game in the special teams. You know, we have Riley Dixon, who's been really good in the past about flipping field position, and he can have a monster kick, and he's also got amazing accuracy to kind of corner kick those those routes. But you're right, Marquette King, he leads the league 53.3 average yards per punt, and that's unreal. That's something that that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing that you get to see. So that's something that we're going to have to look out for, and we're really going to need our returners to key in on that too because – yeah, he kicks it high and he kicks it far, but that also gives a little bit more time for the returners to get upfield. So we need to mm-hmm. expect a lot out of our returners this week. Big time. All right, on to our next segment, which is Rain Man This Week. All right, Rain Man This Week, we get to have a little bit of fun and we get to try to guess what the score is of the upcoming game. And last week, neither one of us did very well. Obviously, we both thought we would beat Buffalo. However, we weren't even close to the score prediction. So let's go ahead and try this out again. Maybe it was just a a fluke on our part. What do you got for the Denver Broncos versus the Oakland Raiders this week? Well, I've thought about this one long and hard, and it was a a tough one to guess. I mean, they're all tough, but we we thought we were so sure last week. This one's a bit... I'm, (laughs) I'm doubting myself. You know, I'm losing traction from my prediction from week one. You know, but I think this week is going to be a, a tighter game. I think it'll be a little bit more offensive than we're used to seeing from playing against the Broncos. And I'm going to call a uh, 28-21 game for the Raiders. For the Raiders? For the Raiders, yeah. I see the All Raiders right. winning this one. I Really taking that, you know, antagonist role to heart, I think. <laughs> yeah, I got to, you know. I mean, and plus, Raiders fans are such interesting, unique people that I feel if I call the Broncos, I may wake up with a missing hand or... Uh, a horse's head in my bed or something. I don't know. Yeah, you get you have like a kidney. Maybe like you have no kidney. Exactly. You know, it's no kidney stitches in the back alley. Who knows? No offense <laughs> to the Raiders fan listening. Please don't come find me. I love you guys. I love your team. <laughs> so, my Rain Man prediction this week. I actually, you know, it's very similar to yours, except I'm going to flip the switch here. I think my Rain Man prediction is 28-24 for the Broncos. I think. It's going to be a very close game, and I think it's going to come down to probably one drive that really makes mm-hmm. the big difference in this. It's not going to be a rollover for either team, and I, I don't think there, anyone's going to win by more than four points this game. That that I can almost guarantee, but we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm looking at this right now, and you know the the Broncos, they've allowed 21 points, 17 points, and 26 points in three games. Um, they scored 24, 42, and 16, so... You know, based on that, and the Raiders, they, they allowed 16, 20, 27. Their defense getting a little bit worse every week, but I think they're going to tighten up against the Broncos here. And they've, they've scored 26, 45, and 10. So it's interesting to see that they have comparable stats here over the, the past three weeks. I just, I don't know, I see more explosiveness, more more experience out of the Raiders. And I just think Derek Carr, he's, he's a little bit embarrassed from his performance, and he, he needs to prove to the league that he's still that guy that the Raiders can trust. So um, expect to see a big game from him for sure it's going to be uh, it's going to be a nice one famous last words so matt you get your famous last words you get the last word in the conversation because of you know calling out tyrod and knowing that he was going to play very well against us and just the fact that we lost i think that you definitely deserve a, a famous last word oh, so thanks yeah i the, think the floor uh, is yours i think it's worth mentioning too that in our, our pick'em league i'm the only one who chose buffalo to win so look at that <laughs> 
I got a little bit of psychic powers. But for, yeah, this week, Famous Last Words, for all you listeners, it's going to be a fantastic game. These games are always good. It's a divisional matchup. It could be an early playoff matchup as well. Both of these teams have a strong chance to not only make the playoffs, but make it to that AFC Championship game. In this AFC, there's only a handful of teams that are worth mentioning in terms of a playoff contender. And if we're not talking about necessarily the Patriots, this year we're going to be talking about both the Broncos and the Raiders and also the Chiefs, which is going to be a segment to come in, in our future episodes but in this this week here all you listeners make sure you tune in for this game watch this exciting matchup it's really gonna be based on the offensive line versus the defensive line on both sides of the ball who can outperform each other and who can really you know stay resilient in this game both teams are coming off of a loss so expect both teams to really put everything into getting this win it is a must win for both so this may be a playoff matchup in waiting it's going to be a worthwhile game make sure you got full case of beer and don't go to the bathroom missing important plays because you never know what's going to happen so uh, that's my famous last words and go raiders Oh no. Yes. I can't let you end on that. Yes. Go Raiders. <laughs> Don't edit me out there. Go Raiders. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Obviously, it's always a good talking. Thank you guys so much again for helping us out and listening and following. Please make sure that you follow and you rate our podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud. That'll definitely help us out a lot. We really appreciate it. Shout out to Broncos UK, who I will be on their podcast this week as well. So make sure you listen out for them. And that will do it for us. So from Matt and myself, you guys have a good one. Take care, guys.